on, Gene, kick it. Mar, I got three words for you. Trust the process. <laughs> That's a good slogan, man. I love that the 76ers have that. It's my favorite slogan. Not because of Sixers, because the Knicks say it's an Alabama football, but... You know, it works for the Sixers, too. Wow, welcome to the Tip of the Tower podcast. It's me, DeMar Grant, with uh, Crystal Krenitz. Wait, you're telling me Trust the Process isn't from the 76ers? No, that's Nick Saban, man. Who's Nick Saban? You can look it up. He's, he's God in the South, you know. Uh, won five national championships with Alabama football. Five and eight years, so it's rather impressive. Didn't Alabama <laughs> just lose to Clemson? Yeah. So he doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I'm about to end this podcast. <laughs> Can't be hit me with that, but okay. Let's 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 get into the Sixers Raptors game tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst part about the loss was that Brian Colangelo beat us. I'd say that was the worst part for me watching the game because I, I love Joel Embiid. He's fun to watch. Dario Saric is fun. Mm-hmm. But dude, the Raptors just looked like a team that ran out of gas and was truly playing the second game on the second leg of a back to back. Yeah, they just look at like, like a step slow. You know, they're missing. They're not getting any of the hustle plays. All the loose balls are going to the 76ers. It's just, I don't know. It's just like you know when you're on the the last the last game of your pickup your pick, pickup crew is about to get kicked off and everybody's exhausted. Nobody's running back on the fast break. That's what it feels like right now for the Raptors. So the Sixers are a threat now in the Atlantic? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I started seeing that on Twitter. I was like, oh, my God, chill. The Raptors lost one game in the Atlantic Division for the first time this year. Let's just take it easy. Yeah, man. I've, I like their team. I, I love – I honestly love the 76ers right now. I love the energy that the crowd brings, and I love Joel Embiid. I love TJ McConnell. You know? They're fun. They're actually fun to watch. Yeah, they're a ton of fun, and – you know, this uh, 76ers team is good at exploiting what the Raptors are bad at, and that's, like, defense, A, and, like, the center defense is, like, particularly bad on the Raptors squad. Yeah, I mean, Joel Embiid is, what, a nightmare for, I want to say, every team in the league except maybe two or three. Yeah, any team that's not, like, the Grizzlies. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, he'll just, like, kill any, pretty much anybody, like, Maybe not the Kings just because of Boogie, but his you know his diverse uh, his diverse like skill set of like being able to shoot the three post up like he basically can do anything except for like run the break. <laughs> but other than that, he's just you know basically like a perfect five for this type of uh, for the NBA right now. It's kind of bad for JV, dude. When JV is like a basically like an old school center. He's getting exploited right now. Let's try and avoid that this podcast, because every podcast we go, we bring that up, and we just say <clears throat> JV's what he played well, dude. I know he did, but I, I feel like we buried 16. the lead so far. To be quite honest, pardon. I think we buried the lead on this podcast so far. Mm-hmm. You know, we got so caught up in our Sixers love that all the injuries. There's been a ridiculous amount of injuries that have hit the Raptors in 24 hours. Yeah, the, I mean, the two they get Jared Sollinger back, but then they lose a couple guys tonight. Yeah, they lost two Pat earlier in this earlier, like what last week, and now they lost uh, Bebe to the concussion, and then now uh, they've lost uh, Damari Carroll to this. It's a neck injury. Did they specify the neck injury? 
No, they just said it's a sore neck. I mean, it looked really bad when he first went down, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I guess a sore neck would mean he's up for a game, maybe two, which kind of sucks for him because he was really starting to play well. Yeah, and it's a huge blow to the team because that's basically the three big men that they were relying on. So now, you know, Jakob Pertl is a significant piece. Well, with Patterson having just a sore knee, am I the only one on the impression that he could probably come back within the next few games? Fair to say? Yeah, the next game isn't until Friday, so, you know, he's going to get another day of rest. They need him now. You know, so if it's a sore knee, you can kind of play through the sore knee. There's nothing is torn or strained, so I think he'll be back. Well, I think he's going to have to be, or else we're going to see a lot more small ball lineups with Terrence Ross playing 30 minutes tonight. That might be a regular thing going forward now for the next few games. Yeah, and he was playing the four. They were playing some weird, weird, weird lineups where it was like uh, Sullinger at the five, and then they had Terrence Ross at the four, and then they played Powell, like Powell, Joseph, Lowry, or... Powell, Joseph, DeMar DeRozan, like, it was crazy. They were just kind of throwing stuff and hoping whatever would stick would stick, you know? It was was weird. I mean, it was different to watch because I'll give Casey this this year. His ability to adapt to different situations and be more open to things like small ball lineup, we never saw this in the past. And now this year, you know, tip your hat to him, right? He's, He's actually evolved as a coach. Yeah, man, he's actually, you know, experimenting with the team, something I didn't really predict going into this season i thought he would just be sticking to his guns but hey man <clears throat> i think i said it before but like you know uh necessity is the mother of invention you, you know he needs to be playing these to be playing these guys or else they're gonna lose basically especially against teams like the nets and the sixers i love how serious the raptors take the nets i mean not at all so <laughs> that's fun to watch last night um, but I have no problems with them doing all this kind of stuff against these teams that, you know, on, let's say, a playoff scenario, they'd smoke them. Yeah, exactly. And plus it gives, you know, Van Fleet is getting run. Awesome. You know, yeah. Pirtle's getting some run, and then, you know, Siakam is also getting getting some minutes. So it's great for developing young talent. Um, it sucks that they lost because <laughs> you kind of need those wins to catch up to Cle- Like if they want to catch up to Cleveland and uh, snag that first seed. You need to beat the 76ers. You can't afford to lose to them. I don't know how obtainable that is anymore. I mean, sure, it is obtainable, but they got to play at a, a ridiculous pace. And they got to overcome injuries. And a lot of things are starting to mount for the Raptors that I don't know if the number one seed is, you know, their focus, like people are saying. I think they're, they'd be thrilled to get it, but I don't think it's their number one priority. They're definitely prioritizing, you know, recovering the te- like the entire team recovering. But they're only a, a game and a half out of the first seed. Yeah. So it's not it's not unattainable, but you know it's not it's it's not. Sorry. We'll get the usual Cavs crank it up at the end of the year when LeBron feels like playing. When he's done flopping, we'll get the. Uh, when know. does he go on his vacation? Because that's going to be the time that the Raptors. <laughs> that's going to be the that's time that question. the Raptors uh, catch up on uh, on those losses that, losses to the Seventy Sixers and such. So. I'm actually gonna look at the Cavs schedule after we're done this and try and pinpoint when LeBron's annual vacation is. <laughs> You know, hopefully it'll be like a couple weeks, maybe maybe a couple weeks. You can get what is that six games, seven games, depends. That's a lot of time to for the Raptors to catch up. You know, ever since like ever, whenever Kyle Lowry, or sorry, whenever Kyrie Irving is, you know, whenever Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love are playing without LeBron James, like they lose. They've only I don't think they've won a single game without LeBron in the lineup. So if he goes on vacation. 
We could be seeing the Raptors in the first seed. It's not impossible. Which would be massive. Yeah, I'd love to see that, dude. Especially for this home crowd, you know. They've came a long way. For the home crowd? Oh, my goodness. This is, again, this would just be like another... I feel like every year that the Raptors have been under Dwayne Casey, they've just been celebrating like an extension of celebration. You know, first we make it to the first round, and then seven games... <clears throat> seven games against the Nets, and then they lose to the Wizards, and now you know the fifty-six games, and now this year is like they're expect they're just like killing other teams that they should be be- beating, and they're losing to, to surpass fifty-six games too. Possibly. Yeah, exactly. So it's it feels like almost like a dream, almost like a dream for a Raptors fan right now. It is a golden age for the Raptors fans right now. I know the franchise is young, but let's just say twenty years from now. We're going to look back and we're going to remember these times. Hopefully not these times when everybody's injured. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not these times. Well, you know, we did get Jared Sollinger back, like we mentioned earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on how he played tonight? I thought he was okay, 14 minutes, 3 of 10 or 4 of 10 from the field here. Just yeah, it up. He, looked pretty, he looked pretty good, man. And he's playing the center, which I think he's going to end up playing um, throughout his career on the Raptors, which is only going to be one year probably. Uh yeah, he's just, you know, great rebounder, excellent toucher on the rim. His mid-ranger was not going this uh this game. I don't really know what else to expect from him. You know, he's just amazing around the rim, but he's not going to be I don't think he's going to be the the power forward going forward. He attempted two threes. I know you're a big proponent of that. If you could take if you can make the three, you should take the three. I don't know if he can make them though. He's He's, I think he's like in a like the late twenties from three point range from Boston. Yeah. So I don't really. Yeah, think he was. He was. You wrote a big thing about that before the season started about how it would actually benefit him more to shoot from the elbow or from the uh, corners as opposed to the elbow, where he was generally taking a lot of his threes at Boston and he just couldn't make them. But when he was shooting from the corners, he had a much higher percentage. So yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll see some of that. Exactly, and he's going to be more open than he's ever been on Boston. You know, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are going to be drawing so much attention. Those pick and pops are going to be great for him. Or just, you know, help coming off of him while he's in the corner. It should work out. Okay, here's the thing, though. With I know you said that you think he's going to be a center for this season and probably the rest of his career. Um, I agree with that, but given the Raptors' current situation where Power Ford is pretty much depleted with injuries at the moment, do you picture him and Jonas Valanciunas playing together? Because I think that would be an absolute debacle defensively. Like, yeah. It'd, it'd be bad. I think it would be a disaster defensively, but if they have to do it, <clears throat> they're going to. You know, Dwayne Casey, is he's shown this year that he's willing to experiment. So we'll, we'll see it this year for sure. Whether or not it's going to be a <laughs> whether or not it's going to be something he relies on is a, is another thing. I don't know. I hope it's something they don't do frequently. I'll tell you that much right now. There's going to be times where Damari Carroll is going to be able to play the four. So there, I can definitely see like a Damari Carroll at the four, Jared Sullinger at the five, and then you know the three, maybe like a three guard rotation, like Ross. Ross, if you want to count him as a as a guard, he's small forward as well. But Ross and Demar Derozan, Lowry or Kojo, that could definitely happen. See with. Jared Sollinger back in the picture now. I'm really curious to see how Casey's going to distribute Valanciunas' minutes as well. Because, you know, 
when things are rolling for him, like he said, he's going to ride the hot hand with him. But when things aren't, we've seen him have a very short leash with JV. And now with Selinger back in the picture, will that leash get even shorter? Uh, mm, ah, that's can a good it, question. Can it even get shorter? Like, I don't even know if it can. That's a good question. It can. It definitely can. Because we've a couple of years ago where he was just, if he made a mistake, quick Casey was... Uh, was willing to just to pull him and put in Amir Johnson or whatever, or just shift Amir Johnson to center. So, I think it, I think it can get shorter, but I don't know. It's hard to say. It's, it's hard to say when Sellinger has just come back. We're just gonna have to see, man. Can you? Do you think they'll that they're gonna? You think Sellinger's minutes will be dependent on uh, JV's play? I don't think it will be. I think that's something that maybe, like you're saying, when they get healthy, you know, we might start to see, like, let's just say hypothetically, him and Patterson play really well together. And by him, I mean Solinger. Mm-hmm. If that happens to stick, then I, I could easily see Casey deploying that a lot more than, you know, JV, Patterson, and the regular starting three that he has with him. That's true. I could just, I could see that the switch happening. That's true, because, you know, they're not going to be losing any sort of defense. <laughs> if they switch out JV, the off. So if Solinger provides more offense with Patrick Patterson on the floor, I think I think Solinger can can make some waves with the squad. Yeah, I mean the only way that that would be really you know a problem is if another team deployed a, like a true big man and they slowed the pace down and they really forced the Raptors to create some some switching problems. And that's the only way I could see them going back to like a JV. But for the most part, I think Solinger might be a better switch defender than JV. Mm-hmm. What, what does J if, what does JV do better than Jared Solinger on this team or just in general uh, as a player? I think he rebounds better. I mean, here's the problem with JV, right? Is we always talk about two different JVs. We get the one that we see on a night to night basis that kind of, you know, eh, he, he coasts, he coasts mm-hmm. a lot of times. Then we get the one that we see in the postseason and occasionally on certain nights this year where, you know, he literally just takes over the game. And when he does that, you got to play him, right? Like, that's the one that everybody wants to see all the time, but we seldom see. So, I don't know. He's really tough to break down and say, you know, put him with this lineup or play him this much because you just don't know which one you're going to get. Okay, I'm just, I'm, I just got to brainstorm. You know, you got to brainstorm about JV because there's always different scenarios that he's going to be a part of and... If he's going to be part of the team, go you know for a long, long period of time, you got to figure out like what his best, his best, best scenarios are for when he's going to be deployed. Especially okay. when, especially when like a like a center, especially when there's like centers off the bench that are going to be like comparable or better in different situations. You, I think that Dwayne Casey is going to have to figure out like the very best situations for JV so that he can use them per like properly. Well, when you look at two players that tend to play at a slow pace of play, you could say JV and Corey Joseph go well together. So maybe they become a, a very good second unit. You could go like Lowry and the reserves, except you got you mixed up it with JV, Corey Joseph, Terrence Ross, uh, Patrick Patterson maybe. Just just a whole makeshift lineup that's not necessarily Lowry and all the reserves, but I don't know. It's weird. It's just, it, it's something I got to play around with. But I think using pace to their advantage, you know, it could be there. Right. Jaren Solinger isn't really that fast of a player either, so... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Pulling you know, straws with JV. He's so tough to figure out. Yeah. Jaren Solinger's, like, rebounding. This this game was, like, you know, it was pretty... I don't know if he was, like, really grabbing that many rebounds. You know, he only had uh, three of them, but... 
just to, the space that he creates with his body to create like just to create other rebounds for other for other teammates. I think that's going to be a huge boon for this team because they're one of the worst rebounding teams in the league, and they need somebody to grab boards or they need somebody to help other people grab boards. So I think Jared Sollinger is going to be like a huge, huge, huge help in that regard. Yeah, he's a big man. <laughs> Dude, he's, I went to watch him work out on the Sunday before they played the Rockets, and mm-hmm. he's just he's big. Like he's not overly tall. He's like your typical big man height wise, but width. He's just a thick, big dude. Yeah, the <clears throat> the Philadelphia announcers was saying that you know he's got a lot of extra lbs. And I was thinking first, I'm like, what? The hell? Wait, 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 what are these lbs? <laughs> <laughs> Look at this stuff. I'm like, oh, pounds, yo. He does he look like he's in shape to you? No. When I saw him that Sunday, I thought he didn't miss one meal during his rehab. <laughs> oh, man. I totally understand that. Yeah, man, and that's a huge problem for him. Like, that that weight thing has been, like, something that's been daunting his entire career, like, from college till now. Like, that's been a yep. that's been He issue. likes to eat. So, I don't know. I mean, if he can play well with the weight, by all means, go for it. We've seen lots of players in the past fluctuate weight. I mean, look at Zebo. His weight's gone up and down, like, mm-hmm. nonstop. I know Zebo is a lot better than Solinger, but we've seen guys make it work. Is the point right? And that weight is going to probably determine who, which position that he plays. You know, if he's <clears throat> if he's too slow to get out on the perimeter due to his weight, then he's going to be playing center more frequently. But if he can lose that weight, right, and he's more mobile on the perimeter, then he's definitely going to find minutes at power forward. Hopefully, he knows that somebody's. <laughs> hopefully, somebody is telling him this. Well, I think never mind where he's going to play on the court. I think it's also going to determine his minutes as a whole. If he's big and out of shape, you know, the Raptors have a tendency to play fast sometimes. Mm-hmm. You can't have him on the floor when that happens. He kind of restricts himself to a very slow, methodical pace. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to be running the break, you know, where Patrick Patterson would be doing would be doing that. I can't. I can just can't picture Jared Sollinger, you know. Dude, they're gonna have to keep, you know, in football how they have the oxygen tank on the sidelines for big returns. They're gonna have to keep one of those on when he subs on and off. <laughs> yeah, and especially if it's gonna be him and JV sharing the court at any period of time, then you only really can get three on three on ones or three on threes or something like that. Like, there's never gonna be a time where, you know, you have like four on one or five on one or something like that. Just because. Yeah, you'll never see that. Yeah, I am very curious to see them play together, though. Me too. You know. There's going to be like this weird rotating post presence because both of them can post up. Jared Sunder is a is a decent post uh, uh, offensive player, but if he's post, if Jared Sullinger is posting up, is like JV going to be popping out to the elbow or in the corner? I don't know. I I meant like <laughs> these are questions that I really wish I had answers to. But again, with JV, you never know which guy you're going to get. You think I don't even think he would pop out. I think he would dive. Traditionally, he's been like a screen-setting, dive-to-the-basket type guy. Although, Jared Sollinger does add that element to the Raptors, too. So, they yeah, have a lot of good screeners now. Yeah, he's an excellent screener. That The extra LBs are perfect for screening. Perfect, especially for a guy <laughs> like Caleb. <laughs> yeah, he's... <clears throat> I think he's going to be like a decent fit. I don't think he's going to change... Like, I don't think it's going to be like a huge change for anything against Cleveland, but... I think it'll help out just throughout the regular season. Agreed. Okay, let's get into your awards. Mm-hmm. You gave out the midseason awards. You did the quarterly ones, what, probably about a month and a bit ago. Now we're at the midseason. Um, 
Right. This is your time, man. This is your baby. It's not the Golden <laughs> Globes. You don't got to dress up, but, you know, you right. show out. So let's hear it. <laughs> okay. So for dunk, of the, I want to hear your, your, your selection for dunk of the year. What do you think is the best dunk so far as a, for the Raptors? Uh, it's tough. There's been a few. But, like, you know, I read what you put with the whole DeMar DeRozan over Tristan Thompson. And since I can't pick Jakob Pertl again, mm-hmm. I do feel like Tristan, that's the right pick, the DeRozan on Tristan Thompson. Yeah, me too. Me too is just because, like, mostly dunks are about, <clears throat> you know, just the crunch and the, el- the element from of the of the crowd, you know, rising up with the, te- with the team. But the names, you know. It, the names are the, one of the most important parts because everybody remembers Vince Carter's like uh, his his slam dunk competition and the dunks that he was throwing down were pretty crazy. But you know this uh, this past dunk competition were probably the the nastiest dunks we've seen in the dunk competition. But Vince Carter's uh, performance still you know it still holds because it was Vince Carter. So when Demar Derozan you know. He's on the, basically the best Raptors squad there's ever been. It dunks over Tristan Thompson, NBA champion. Tristan Thompson. <laughs> Are you actually gonna say that every time? <laughs> yeah, especially for like James John- James Jones is a NBA champion, right? Uh, Tristan Thompson. <laughs> right, NBA champion Tristan Thompson. So it's gonna, you know, it, I think it's a bigger. I think it's just a bigger moment in general. There's no arguments for me on that. I mean, want to go to the next award now? Okay. One of the best, one of my favorite awards that we gave out <clears throat> was uh, worst, worst Cut of the Year. Okay. <laughs> the Worst Haircut of the Year, which was given away to uh, Jonas Valanciunas because I don't know what's going on with his hair right now. You he had like the flow? Because it used to be like he had that huge beard that was sticking out of his face, right? And then he had it, like, buzzed, like, at one level, and it looked, like, menacing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it looked menacing, and it, like, it fit his play style, where he was just, like, destroying boards and dunking on people and stuff. And now he's got, like, this, this, like, swoop, swoopy thing on the top. He trimmed the beard shorter, and just like, I don't know what it's, I just don't understand. What is he going for right now? It's not. It's not. It's not cool. It's not. It's not. It's not like hip. A bedhead look. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's like a bedhead look. I guess. Ah. I don't know, man. I ain't judge people's hair here. You know. I know you pay attention to that more than I do. <laughs> I, I ain't gonna say nothing. I, I appreciate a good flow. You know. So, the, who do you think has the best hair on the team right now? The best hair. Man, I've always been a fan of Demari Carroll's. Okay. I know. I know. It's like. Really unoriginal, but well, I think he just rocks the dreads well. Yeah, dreads are dreads are a cool look. I think him or um, Norman Powell. Norman Powell's like fade. It looks real nice. Yeah, right you now. love his fade. Yo, it's amazing right now. <laughs> you should find out who his barber is. Yeah, I need to find out who his barber is and like collect them, like scrounge the money together to actually like get this <laughs> to get the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you got next? Okay, <clears throat> the MVP for the Toronto Raptors. All right, who do you think? Who do you who do you have for your MVP of the Raptors so far? So I know you can make a really good case for Demar Derozan at mm-hmm. the halfway point, just because of that amazing start that he had to the season. You know, 
tying a lot of Michael Jordan's records, but still Kyle Lowry for me. Really? He is the guy that makes this team go. Oh, okay. Well, DeMar Kyle Ro- Lowry over everything. Okay, DeMar DeRozan is like the fifth leading scorer in the, in the entire league. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> he had that glorious first first half or first quarter of the season where scoring basically 30 every game. Uh, you know, the spectacular finishes, the dunks. Kind of, it feels a little bit of like he's kind of taken over the team a little bit as like a as a leader. You know, no, I'm not convincing you. No, not at all. <laughs> because here, I'll ask you this: if you take away Demar Derozan from this Raptors team, mm-hmm. and you take away Kyle Lowry from this Raptors team, like let's say you take away one of those two guys, which one would have a more impact? Like his departure. Okay. Okay. If you lost, I think if they didn't have Kyle Lowry, this team would be in shambles. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't have DeMar DeRozan, you know, they would be worse, but they wouldn't be, like, shambles. See, you're saying that because they got, <clears throat> they have people to kind of replace him. You know, they got Terrence Ross, Norman Powell, like, those people could kind of come in and there's a semblance, well, you know, part of The way people talk about Corey Joseph and DeLon Wright and Fred Van Fleet. I know oh, you're not, not Kyle Lowry, but we wouldn't be behind the eight ball too bad either. You're not. Oh, you're not on the Corey, Corey Joseph uh, bandwagon. No, I'm not on the Corey Joseph bandwagon. I think he's a great <laughs> role player. He's a great reserve guy, but being a starter is a little bit different. Okay, I'm just, I'm just okay. Fine. You know what? You can keep keep Kyle Lowry. Dude, secretly, I'm with you on Kyle Lowry as MVP. But I gotta make the. Oh, I knew Loki. You. Were. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta make the case for DeMar DeRozan because it definitely is like, <clears throat> it definitely is a debate. You know, this Kyle Lowry, I don't think Kyle Lowry is doing it by himself on this team. No, neither of them do. I mean, they, they work so well with each other that it's tough to say, hey, one's better than the other. But if I had to give it to one, okay. it's gotta be Lowry. Okay. So in my in the piece, I had it classified as breakout player of the year, but we could we'll do breakout player of the year first. So who do you think that is? It's got to be Terrence Ross. Man, he has literally became the boss this year. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it? That's all you... I... I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm going to do like a little rapid-fire style. <laughs> Terrence, it almost makes me feel like I should pick Patrick Patterson just because I feel like people are really recognizing how important he is to the team this year. You know, when he's like he's been missing for a few games here and there this season and the team is struggling without him and mm-hmm. people are really really paying attention to what he does now especially because Patrick, uh, Paul Millsap might get traded get, maybe we hope gets traded to the Raptors he's off the market apparently and apparently <laughs> apparently all the cynical people, fans the people have zeroed in on what Patrick Patterson does and really like critically thought about think about whether or not they need to uh, trade whether or not they need to trade him or trade for an upgrade for in that position. I think that's a fair point because at the same time, everybody's just so used to labeling Patrick Patterson as this, uh, you know, elite second tier sub player mm-hmm. when I, he should be starting the whole time. People have been banging on the drum. There's so many statistics, statistics you can use to back it up and you want to go to points per possession you want to go to how he plays like on and off the court. It's just that there's so many things you can say that support why he should start. And now when he's out of the lineup, we're seeing how valuable he is, period. So. All right. All right. 
So this one isn't in the piece, but I, I was thinking about it, including it. It was too close to Breakout Player of the Year to include in the piece, but now, who is the most improved player on the Raptors? It's Mar DeRozan. Really? Wow, that's a surprising pick, actually. I mean, I don't want to go Terrence Ross again because he's the most improved, mm-hmm. but the most, or sorry, he's the uh, breakout, but the most improved is DeMar DeRozan. This jump he's taken from a really good scorer to now a really good player has been huge. I'm not saying his defense is elite by any means, but it's better this year. He just has a better sense of how he works within this Raptors offense, and you don't see him killing as many dead sets anymore, um, dribbling himself into trouble. He's just He's just better in so many areas. That's true. I like, you know, I like the development Demar Derozan has made throughout the season. I would vote for him too, but then that would be too easy. So I'm gonna vote for for uh, Terrence Ross, yeah, the most improved player. Even though, like, if you look at the numbers, <clears throat> he, you know, his uh, point production is only about a, a point more this season. But it's just the the consistency that you're finally you're finally getting from him where it's not to the point where you know he's either on fire or he's ice cold you know he's he's like an oven at an even temperature now you know you can just expect it to be you know you set it to 400 degrees it's always on 400 degrees you know it's not like today it's at 500 yesterday was at 300 it's always at 400 he's pretty consistent now he shoots like 38 percent from three-point range you know, he's using his athleticism uh, on defense. You know, he's getting into the lanes, but he's also getting out on the break. And he's hitting these transition threes. He's, I, I'm loving Terrence Ross right now. I think he's the most improved player. Yeah. I, by the sounds of it, everything you just described is the player we always envisioned. So, yeah, but, fans, rejoice. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that's, that he hasn't been able to deliver on is um, <clears throat> attacking the rim. Or finishing windmill dunks consistently. <laughs> I mean, it was part of attacking the rim. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's just on. He's just not. Do he just won't do it? He just refuses so, to attack the rim. I feel like the next step in his game would be that because, like you're saying, on a lot of nights we do tend to see him settle for threes or long mid-range jumpers, and it's just like, man, Tiras, let's go. I know you can get to the cup, and he just doesn't do it. Yeah, the long range too is the like the analytical nightmare, and I just wish he would just—he doesn't even he barely—he rarely draws fouls, and I think that'd be the—that's the next evolution. You're right, that's the next evolution in the game. Just to you know, without bringing from a ten-point score to like a fifteen-point score, and then basically the team would have to be centralized around him for him to score more. But oh, he would, yeah. I mean, there'd be a lot of teams probably knocking on the Raptors' door to get him as a starter if he took that next step forward. Right now, he's he's a very good bench player for the Raptors specifically. I'm surprised they don't run more plays for him actually in the second unit, like you know, like uh, high low situations, right? screens, a lot more yeah. off ball stuff. We don't see that. Yeah, they use him. The Raptors' offense is so guard centric that everybody else is just like you know, <clears throat> if it was a jazz band, right? It's just like the singer and like the guitar or the the trumpet player. They're like always going off, and then like people on the keyboard are just like you know they just gotta they gotta <laughs> fit <laughs> people on the on the keyboard and like their bass they gotta like they gotta fill in just like oh okay they they stop talking for a second and then then they would have to fill in that's what it feels like when you're I a just pictured DeRozan and Lowry frantically playing instruments <laughs> and everybody else like oh shit okay let's go 
But that's how the Raptors feel right now, man. So Terrence Ross, I don't think he's ever going to get, like, you know, like, pin, like a, a ton of pin down set for him or any intricate sets that you see, like, run for J.J. Redick or something like that. Just, oh, I'd love to see that, man, if they use him kind of <clears> like J.J. Yeah, like a floppy set or where they're, like, doing, like, he does these twirls or underneath the rim with, with, uh, whoever the small forward would be at the, that, that that at that time so it would be like Wesley Johnson or something like that and they just a little motion offense would be fun yeah they just they don't run that i mean it's possible for them to do that i just don't know if Dwayne Casey is you know concentrating on that since the offense is working basically to perfection at this point it's just you know you just if everybody else if the Lowry and DeRozan are working perfectly why why change it if it ain't broke don't fix it well, it's broke against the Cavs. Well, it's have to beat the Cavs, so <laughs> we, might need to, we might need to adjust it a bit. That's the only thing. You're right. Like, you know, you you're right. Dynamism would uh, would help against the Cavs. Okay. What other words you got? All right. We'll go to like one or two more, then we'll get out of here. Defensive Player of the Year. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh, you don't on have this any... on this team. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Man. I'm actually going to have to think about this one. Can I pick? Can I pick the mascot, the raptor mascot? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just playing. Um, you know, Patrick Patterson when he's been healthy, he's been stupid effective as a defender. Really underrated. Wow. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think of somebody else. I'm I feel gonna... like I'm missing somebody that's really obvious here. You know who I had. Hmm. Nobody. You put nobody. I have nobody as defensive player of the year on this team. There's just no standouts. There's no significant standouts where I'm just like that person is who we depend on if we need a stop. That's our guy. Yeah, they actually don't have one. Right, Mark Carroll is like a meh. No, you know, he's regressed, man. <laughs> His body's breaking down. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then. You know, Lowry is not has not been the same defensive player that he was even even last year. He was a better defender last year. And he's not up to that level. DeMar DeRozan is DeMar DeRozan. Um, Pascal Siakam, he's a rookie. He's making all these rookie mistakes. You know, the fouls, and he's jumping on every pump fake. Same with Pirtle. Same with uh, Bebe. Hey, G- how long till they send one of those two guys to the D-League? They're not getting sent. Work on those things. I don't think they're getting sent to the D-League, especially right now. Because they need him to play. Because <laughs> Patrick Patterson injured, Mark Carroll injured, Baby injured. Like they need big men. So Siakam and uh, Pirtle are gonna be playing. But then also JV. JV is the slow. I th- he must be like the slowest center in the league. If it, it seems that way, and there's just no defensive player that is just that really stands out on this Raptors squad. So nobody's getting it. They're, we're abstaining of giving away this award. I didn't even think about saying nobody. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean have to keep that one locked up until the fall, <laughs> or until the end of the season. The runner-up was Dwayne Casey. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say him jokingly, but <laughs> Dwayne Casey on the side on the sidelines, you know, where he's like raising his hands and he's like clapping, and you can kind of see him like guarding the mm, the defense the the opponent. Yeah. That's that's the best that's the best defensive player on the Raptors right now. That's what it feels like at least. Okay, well here now that you mentioned that, 
What about possibly trading for a guy like Tabo Cephalosha then? Do you think Cephalosha's got anything left in the tank? I mean, Atlanta's – they may not be trading Millsap, but they're still willing to trade players. Expiring deal. Hey, One man. time was a good defender. If you're going to do that, if you're going to make a trade for Cephalosha, you might as well make the trade for, for Millsap. Uh, Millsap, yeah. And that would be like – I think it's Ross, Tupad, and Sullinger or something like that. <clears throat> and that would – for Cephalosha and uh, Millsap – if that's going to be the case, you might as well just make the trade, man. Call call Atlanta. Okay. I don't know if they're going for that, though. You know, Millsap seems to be off the market. They're winning a couple of games here and there. We went over this last podcast. He's not off the market. Until somebody <clears throat> makes a real offer, he's just hanging out in Atlanta. If somebody came and offered Atlanta what they're looking for, he's, he's packing his bags. Nothing personal, but Atlanta can't go two years in a row without getting anything in return for their be- their best player. I mean, they lost Horford the year before, and they can't do the same with Millsap. Man, Paul Millsap, come to us, man. We love you. Right? Be a great fit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go one last award, then we'll uh, wrap this up. One last award. <clears throat> the most tradable asset on the team. Right, you know who that is. And you know what? This, yeah, this is like, yeah, Caperto, get out of here. <laughs> I, you know what? I'll build on this for you because Terrence Ross is by far the most tradable asset, not only because he's playing really well this year, but because his contract. The 11 mil allows the Raptors to line him up with, you know, a lot of different players that they can go one for one or just they, they can add him into a lot of deals. The least tradable player, though, if you want to build on that part, is, has been Norman Powell. And Ooh. it's actually for financial reasons. It's nothing to do with, you know, do teams want him? I'm sure a lot of teams want him, but when he's making less than a million dollars, it's really tough to trade a player like that for equal value, just from a financial aspect, because you can't really exceed with the rules, you know, more than 140%, 120%, so he's a tough player to trade. That is, Terrence Ross is the perfect player to trade. That's an excellent angle. Um, yeah, you're right, you know, he's exceeding the amount of the, the value that he's being paid, right? And this is, can you even think of a player that is the same level, like quality player getting play, paid even like similar amount of money? I don't know because we've seen some rookies. Most of the guys are in the first round and drafted pretty high. Um, they tend to get like, you know, a decent pay. I mean, the rookie scale, they're looking to adjust in the new CBA. So we might see some guys like that in the future. But I can only think of one guy, and that was before he got really good, was Draymond Green. Mm, okay. That's he true. exceeded the value of his contract really early. Right. Brogdon? Maybe. Yeah, maybe Brogdon. I mean, he's playing out of his mind right now. Is that a, a long-term thing, or is that just a flash in the pan, you think? That's, well, that's I, think mil- I think it's a long-term thing. I think he's good. And uh, Milwaukee seems to think that he's good, too, because he's now starting for that team. Yeah, J- when Jason Kidd likes a player, man, whoo. Yeah, he's He plays that guy balls out. All the time. That's why. You, that's how you get point Giannis, man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Jason Kidd is like, you know what, We're just he's the point guard now. Small forward, power forward, center, I don't care. He's everything. <laughs> He's the point guard. It's kind of smart, though, because we saw that this year with Houston, um, with D'Antoni obviously deploying James Harden at point guard. Rod Beck wrote a good piece about today about how D'Antoni convinced Harden to play that, to play point guard, and mm-hmm. it, it had everything to do with usage and having the ball in his hands more. You know, Good things will happen that way. I think that's a trend we're going to start seeing in the NBA more and more and more is that the best player is going to handle that ball as much as possible. Yeah, recently, you know, this is with the advent of LeBron where 
the point guard doesn't have to be the primary ball handler. Whoever is the best with the ball, you know, is going to be the primary ball handler. So if that's your shooting guard, you know, if that person is going to be generating the most points for you, then that person is going to handle, handle the ball more, the most frequently. So that's what happened with Harden. That's what's happening happening with Devin Booker. And that's what's happening with uh, Giannis. And it's probably it's probably what's going to happen with uh, Ben Simmons when he starts playing. Oh, man, I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's going to happen in Philly when Ben Simmons comes back, too. Yeah, so it's going to be like a 4-5 pick and roll with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Picture that. Yeah, picture that in your head. <laughs> that's going to be sweet. Yeah, it's kind of like, too, you, you notice in high school sports a lot of times, like high school football in particular, instead of having a good quarterback because not a lot of kids are that developed yet, you just put the best athlete there because he's going to touch the ball the most. Mm-hmm. The NBA is kind of adopting a similar strategy where, hey, let your best guy handle the ball as much as possible. Just let him touch it. Let plays happen through him. Yeah, man. I can't, I can't believe we're, we're seeing this. Another another development. I think this one's more of a low-key development in the NBA, you know, other than the shooting and stuff and the length and all that stuff. I think this is the ball handler. The ball handler is like an under under the hood type of development that I don't know. This, it's hard to it's hard to really congratulate any team for doing something like that. You know what I mean? I think it really has to do with usage, and I mean people aren't gonna like hearing this, but the whole analytics wave. Now you're starting to see the way that you know certain players affect the game and how they affect their teammates too when they have the ball in their hand and. They're just making more sense of it now. They're like, okay, well, why weren't we doing this before? And now they're just trying it out, and they're seeing it work even greater than what they probably projected it to be, and they're just going to stick with it now. Because we can see it through things like usage rate, pace of play, points per 100. There's all these different metrics we can use to create a certain narrative that says, hey, do this. But now the teams are actually doing it, and I think it's blowing away their expectations. It's changed the game. Yeah, the teams that uh, adopt the fastest get the, that bleeding edge over the rest of the over the rest of the league so you gotta seek whatever advantage possible if a lot of death line up in Golden State and, yeah exactly it's like you know what we're just not gonna play a center <laughs> just, yeah that was supposed to fail apparently so yeah so and, it, and it's working to perfection not our problem it's the rest of the league's problem now take on that note good time for us to get out of here yep I'd like to thank everybody for listening to today's episode of the podcast. As always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can like our Facebook page at Tip of the Tower. You can subscribe to our Twitter page, or you can follow our Twitter page. Where I say subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Kranitz. You can follow Damar on Twitter at Damar J. Grant. As always, guys, leave us a review, comments, anything. If you want to talk about some of the show, let us know. We'll talk about that. Um, we're all, we always love talking basketball, whoever it is. Until next week, guys, we'll see you at the same time. Take care. Later.